You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. Hello there and thank you for downloading the podcast for Starting Up with VirtuZone from the 21st of June. On the programme today, I was joined by VirtuZone CEO George Hojage. He's also our agony uncle and he was answering all your queries from how to get a startup licence to visa costs and more. Our hot topic on the programme was when a small business should hire staff and start expanding. How do you know when you can afford salaries, particularly when more than half of companies in the UAE say they're budgeting for salaries to rise this year? We were joined by Jacopo Trinka, who is the co-founder of Flashy. We also caught up with James Lafferty, the established CEO of Fine Hygienic Holding. And for our startup success story, we went under the sea with Josephine Adams, the CEO and founder of Mermaids of Arabia, who talked us through her journey to success. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. I'm joined in the studio by George Hojage, of course, the CEO of VirtuZone. Sir, how are you? Are you well? I'm great. Georgia just came back from a short weekend trip uh, to start off the summer. So I'm feeling fantastic. Nice to be back in the nice cool breeze here. 50 degrees today. Yes, it is a little bit toasty at the moment, just a isn't bit. it? Fair just a to bit. say. Now, I mean, obviously, there was a time when VirtuZone was a startup. How did you guys know when you should start hiring new people there? It's always a tricky question and it's always a difficult challenge. It's not something that you can answer in, in, in five seconds, to be honest with you. I guess it comes with necessity, right? So um, when you feel that you can't, you can't do it yourself anymore, when you feel that there's opportunity and it's important to have the money. I mean, one of the biggest problems is or the challenges is that if you don't have the money, it's very difficult to take the decision to hire. I'm sure Jacobo knows a lot about that. So Yes, absolutely. We are not alone in the studio today uh, in order to discuss this topic of, you know, when it is best to hire and grow your team. Uh, we are joined in the studio by the very fabulous uh, uh, Jacoby Trinker, who is the co-founder of Flashy, which is a company that helps brands with their photography needs. Hello there. Lovely to Hello. have you in the studio. Lovely to be here. Thank a you. A pleasure to have you here. Now, of course, many businesses start out as a one man or one woman team, mm. and it can be tricky to know when to staff up. And as mentioned by George, it can be expensive. Let's just quickly hear from Avtar Gill. Now, he's an HR professional from GGC Consultancy. He says there are challenges that come with hiring when you are a small business. Knowing when it's the right time to hire new employees, it's not easy, but it's critical to the success of the business. If the business doesn't hire quickly enough, the work will start to outpace the capacity and begin to pile up. If they hire too early and they don't get the cash flow expected, it can put the business and the new employee in a very tough situation. There are a number of signs that SME may be ready to hire more staff. One of them is the customer service starts slipping or the employees are overwhelmed, they're tired, overworked and stressed. You find yourself saying no to new business. If you're already running at 100% capacity, you can't take on new business and grow. Or higher paid employees are spending a lot of their time on junior level tasks. So start by putting a different value on everybody's time. Okay, great advice there from Avtar Gill, an HR professional from GGC Consultancy. Uh, but we need to get the advice of the gentleman that we've got in the studio as well. So, uh, Jacoby, tell me, I know that your company essentially helps brands with their photography needs and you also help photographers get jobs. Yeah. Uh, what problem 
did you think was necessary for Flashy to solve? Why did you set it up? What was the idea behind it? Of course. It? Um, so many companies, and we are a B2B company, uh, we cater enterprises, marketplaces, different types of businesses. And the tools they have available today to acquire visual assets, so imagery at scale, have not changed much in the last 10 years, meaning they have to rely on very offline processes and also very offline um, agencies, for example. And they spend a lot of time operationally having to deal with these third parties, with these suppliers. And uh, so what we do is we help them streamline and scale uh, these, you know, these operations uh, on how they can acquire assets at scale and across different locations. Um, Smart. That's, I mean, that's, you know, photography is always a problem, to be honest with you. It's a challenge. There's good photographers, there's bad photographers. But as you, as you say, correctly said, today everything's depicted with photography. Everything's online, everything's digital. Restaurants have these professional photographers coming in, showing these dishes, looking like, you know, you're, you're, you're salivating over them. Mm-hmm. Then you get the dish. It's not always the same, the same, the same picture. But I mean, it's really, really important. Let's get into the, the heart of the subject, Jacobo, if, if, if you don't mind. Um, you started off, you were two people. Right. Yes. At what point did you say, you know what, we're going to take on a third one? Because that's your 10 people now, I believe. Yeah. And, 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 and at what point did you say, you know what, we're going to now grow from being the two founders mm-hmm. to a third person? Because that's a very exciting yeah. time in, 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 yeah. in a startup. Yeah, of course. I think uh, so. We were two people until December, my co-founder, Aidan and I. Um, and we decided to hire when we really realized that we were you know, at maximum capacity. Uh, and I think that's very important also later stage when you, you know, hire a team and you keep growing a team that you, you have to make sure that you, know, you remain very lean. Um, and you're at max capacity with the team. And of course, then, you know, when you drill down into the detail, then you have to prioritize which, um, which, you know, what kind of profiles are you looking for based on, uh, you know, the company's priority uh, in the, not just the short term, but the medium long term. And then you drill down into the profiles who you have to hire. Um, our first hire, for example, was a head of commercial, so sales, uh, because Aiden They also I, important sales. Sorry? I said the also important the also sales important guy. Sales. He brings in the money. Yeah, 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 of course, of course. I mean, now we're, our, you know, we're, we're trying to be as lean as possible. And, uh, you know, um, we are 10 people now. Um, that's something that, of course, we're planning to grow uh, further uh, as we continue the year towards the end of the year. Um, however, uh, we do, uh, you know, for us, it's very important to remain lean. Uh, and there is a direct correlation between, you know, every employee we have and the results and the success of the company, which is very important. Jacopo, let me ask you a question that every entrepreneur goes through. Yeah. What was your biggest fear when you hired that first full-time person? Uh, because there is a are fear. Are we going you to be able talk- to pay that yeah. person for more than a few months? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I did tell that person uh, <laughs> after a few months he was in, uh, you know, we, 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 we didn't even know how long we yeah. could. It uh, must because feel- we were fundraising at the time and we didn't sign anything. So that was a big risk that we took. Uh, so, yeah, of course. It must be runway. scary, right, to take that responsibility on. That is the scariest on. thing. I've been through yeah. it. It's the scariest yeah. thing, Georgia. I mean, when you start having this financial responsibility, because mm-hmm. when it's him and his partner and there's just starting up yeah. they'll say you know what worst comes to worst we close shop we move on with our lives we yeah. open something else 
when you have somebody else as a responsibility, another family as a responsibility, it becomes a completely different ballgame. Yeah. And it continues. I mean, it's not just then, right? Then startups have a thing called runway, right? Yep, How long can you go, uh, especially uh, very unprofitable startups, uh, which is not our case, uh, <laughs> but uh, we, are, we are profitable um, as of today. But of course, runway is always uh, very important, uh, you know, your cash flow uh, and the, the funding rounds you're chasing as a startup to grow further. So for those, for, those of, for those of you who are listening to us who don't know what a runway is, basically it's how long you have with the cash that you currently have that you can survive as a company. Yeah. So if you have, let's say, $100,000 and your cost is $50,000 a month, you have two months of runway and so on and so forth. And founders tend to get obsessed with their runway, rightfully so, Probably. because it's basically how long you have to live with the money that you have. So as they're raising and fundraising, they're always looking to grow that runway to a longer period of time. Wow. Okay. You get a sense there of just how important it is when you are a startup to make sure that that person you hire, even if the first or second or third, that they have to be the perfect person, right? How do you do that? How do you make sure that they're the right fit? I think the, I mean, number one, they have to believe in the vision. Uh, of course, because you know many people joining startups, one of the biggest constraints you have when you hire um, as a founder is obviously uh, cash right you can 't you can 't compete with you know bigger companies in terms of salary, so they have to believe in the mission and of course, there is always an equity compensation offsetting uh, that that salary component, but also um, you have to be, you know sort of hire people or like to hire people that can be for example, a C-level uh, or C-suite or become someone you know, very senior within two, five years term uh, and grow into that role rather than hire someone that perhaps has, you know, very, uh, who's very senior um, and you can't afford. So you have to look towards, you know, the, the long-term value and how people can grow uh, in, in your company. Um, and of course, very executional uh, as well. So people who can, you know, wear different hats, uh, execute. I think it's it's very important uh, because it's continuously uh, yeah, every I day. Every day is a I, I agree with you. There's two types of people. There's the people that you want to get on to help, and and you want to try to get them for as cheap as possible in order to keep your runway as long as possible. <clears throat> in that case, you might give them some equity or something like that to get them to get them to buy into the idea mm-hmm. of working for cheaper, but you know, being really involved. And then you got the more experienced people, which actually really add value to your business in terms of experience, in terms of strategy, in terms of all these things. And these are the ones that are really key to get uh, through equity because you certainly can't afford to pay them what they're being paid at the bigger companies. But through equity, you can get them to join and then say, okay, well, this is more for the long term. I'm looking at the long term exit or something like that. But it is important to get both these types of people on board if you want to grow as a company. Now, one way in which you sort of expanded the scope of the company is mm-hmm. that you have more than a thousand photographers in your freelance pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does that sort of balance work for you? Does that mean you've managed to basically expand much faster than you might have? Or was it always in your business model? Um, it was always in our business model. Uh, so essentially, we do rely on, on the supply side. The photographers are the ones who create the content uh, for us, for our clients. And uh, then we... Internally in-house, we do all the post-production. So we have our own technology to scale and uh, have consistency for our clients as well. 
So clients don't have to rely on different third parties. Would it be uh, fair to say you're the Uber of photography? Or, or I don't like that term. You know, I know I you hate don't. that term. Uh, I, I think the Airbnb of photography even worse. Uh, even worse. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. I never, never. But tried have that you one. have you been told the Uber <laughs> of photography many times? I've been yeah. I've been asked a few yeah. times. We're not really the Uber. Of, we're more of a SaaS company okay. uh, with a human component, which is you know actual photographers that. Be so SaaS is sorry to interrupt. SaaS no is software as a service for those sorry. who don't who don't know what that is. No, it's good. This is so. Well, this, no, this is why we have George yeah. in the studio. It's this yeah. wonderful balance yeah. between right. the sort of the, the, the knowledge and the terminology yeah. and, and yeah. the reality. Yeah. We got one last question with you, uh, Jacobo. Um, tell me, at the moment, we've got more than half of companies in the UAE budgeting for salaries to rise mm-hmm. this year. These are obviously big companies. I mean, they surveyed, for example, the prime minister's office here. Of course. Uh, is that something that you think you'll be looking to do? You know, you're looking at inflation. It's around 4% here in the UAE. Do you think you'll be needing to budget? And as a startup, is it possible? Possible to to raise salaries in in, this, in in line with inflation. Well, I think uh, as a startup, uh, there is a, as I said earlier, you know, there is a very direct correlation between how the startup is performing and then you can, what can you budget uh, when it comes to salary raise. I think that nowadays, um, you know, employees in, in many many companies, tech startups or you know, tech businesses in general, they're not just looking for a salary. Uh, I think there is many other intangibles and many other benefits that. Um, people are looking for uh, and does not always come down to a number necessarily. Uh, for sure, I mean, we, we hired everyone six months ago. Uh, so starting from January up to, you know, last week, the last hire. So for sure, by end of the year, uh, that's something will, uh, will, will, will come in place. Also for our listeners, I'd like to say something, and I'm sure Jacopo would, 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 would agree with me. The VC the, the, the VC or the venture capital or tech tech industry in general is going through a rough time at the moment. Yes, um, and and that we see that with all with all our partners who are VCs, with all our partners who are or or, or all the companies we've invested in. I doubt that these that the tech companies, startup companies, will be raising a lot of salaries this year. The market in general, we see it with you know we see it with the stock market, with crypto, with all that. Mm-hmm is uh, a bit on the lower side at the moment. VCs need to keep their cash to keep the longest runway possible. Sorry, startups need to keep their cash for the longest runway possible. VCs are not investing much in new companies in order to keep their cash to help the companies that they've already invested in. So uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if Jacopo and co. Don't, don't, don't do any raises this year, but hopefully next year or the year after when it picks up again. Yeah, of course. I yeah. think now the priority for startups is to, you know, survive. given the current market yeah. conditions, to, to su- survive. And, you know, we are shifting to, from a growth uh, sort of focus towards a profitability focus in yeah. many startups in the region and also elsewhere. Such so, yeah. an interesting conversation. I really appreciate your time. Uh, Jacobo Trinka, uh, the co-founder of Flashy, a company that helps brands with their photography needs. Really, really interesting to get the lowdown on how you're starting up and how you hired your staff. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. Okay, so you've hired your staff, you've got a solid workforce, you're a startup. But how do you keep them? In addition to paying them a fair wage, there are many ways in which you can ensure your employees are happy and doing their job with passion and purpose. We are joined now on the line by the CEO of Fine Hygienic Holding, James Lafferty, who knows all about this. He's also an Olympic coach, a speaker and a corporate trainer. Hi, James. How are you? You're joining us on Teams. 
Very good. Thank you very much for having me. An absolute pleasure. Also uh, in the studio, I have, of course, George Hojage. He is the CEO of Virtue Zone, giving us his insights on these sort of startup and, and, and uh, matters and entrepreneurial matters. Um, of course, you'll have heard of Fine Hygienic Holding. Their company makes toilet rolls, nappies and masks, uh, and they are known for that. But they're also known for taking good care of their staff. And uh, one of the first things I want to ask you, James, basically is, you know, how do you, how did you hire those staff? Because how many have you got now? Uh, We're at about 3,000 employees worldwide. Almost all of them are in the Middle East and North Africa. So our region. So busy, busy. I mean, when you look to hire those staff, what is the first thing that you keep in mind? What would you advise small businesses should keep in mind when they start that process of bringing people on? Well, we we focus, if you look at, at, at the different levels of, of capability, things like knowledge and skills and attitude and traits, that it, it becomes harder to train as you go up that ladder. Uh, and so what we tend to do is we try to hire solely on attitude, honestly, uh, because I can train the rest. I can train people how to sell. I can train people how to shoot an ad. I can train people how to uh, look at advertising, how to make a presentation. This is all teachable. And you know, we have a quite comprehensive corporate training program where we, we invest in our people heavily. So what we're looking at are those exceptional talents and uh, the people that, that bring that extra to the table, which is perseverance, drive, motivation, a sense of, of commitment, uh, dedication to winning. You know, these are things that you can't teach. Uh, you know, what you have to remember as a CEO, fine, myself, I started my career as a fitness instructor in Procter & Gamble, making $5 an hour, uh, teaching executives how to lose weight and, and how to exercise. And I was recruited out of that because a brand manager in Procter & Gamble in the U.S. liked what he saw and he said, you've got what it takes inside. But my studies was in psychology and exercise physiology. I never took a business class in my life. And, you know, and so I have a firm love of hiring those people that are hungry. And as I tell people, I can coach lots of things. I can teach you how to lose weight, how to run. I can, all this stuff's teachable. But there's one thing I can't teach. I can't coach desire. And desire has to come from within. And I love the people with desires. So these people on LinkedIn that like they nag me endlessly, I typically end up hiring them because they don't give up. But there, there are other people who... They send me one letter and they say, dear sir, you know, do you have a job? And I say, we don't have an opening right now. They just disappear. You know, so they, they basically play nice for a day. And then when I say no, they leave. I'm looking for the people that fight. That's and interesting. The people that want it and, and, you know, and go for it. And so when we put jobs on LinkedIn, I'll get sometimes 10, 11,000 applications. And people say, how can you go through 10 or 11,000? It's easy. The people who say, dear sir or madam, garbage. They need the to garbage. learn your name. That's, I mean, that is yeah. so interesting I mean, to hear about the way that I mean, so much of it is attitude. Yeah, yeah and, and so they don't even take the time or they, they, they just do a copy and paste to a thousand different people. If, if you, I want to see the people, you know, my, my, uh, you know the, the, the woman I hired as a CMO, she wrote me a seven-page letter why she wanted to work for us. That got her right in the door, right I- in the door. She took the time to, to to expend that kind of effort. That you can't coach that. James George here. What are the what are the 
uh, perks that you give your employees, or what are what you know? What's the good treatment that you, or what would be considered to be a good treatment that give your you give your employees? Because uh, you know, as you're saying, it's not easy to find the, the the employees with the right attitude. Once you you hire them and you find them and you hire them, and they're progressing within the company, what are what efforts do you do to keep them on board? Because as we know, there's a lot of competition and, 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 and uh, you know, people tend to, especially in this part of the world, to move from th- job to job if they're offered a bit more money. What is it that you do to keep your people on board, to keep them happy and for them to, if you want, um, evaluate the intangibles of staying with fine? Uh, it's a great question, George. Thank you. Look, we, we start with you got to be competitive on the basic compensation. I don't think what what some companies try to do is say, I'll create a great environment, but I'll underpay my people. We don't we don't do that. We can't do that. And so the the foundation is, is that we we are always benchmarking against the market and we're trying to pay people competitively. Now, sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes the market moves quickly, like we've noticed in Dubai with some of the IT roles and full stack developers, the salaries got away from us. I mean, the market is moving so quickly that if you do only an annual survey of of salaries uh, and wages, you can fall behind. Then what we try to do is create an environment that people love and that they they love to join and hate to leave. And that, they, you know, we try to create a culture. Now, we're not always successful and not everybody, certainly not 100 percent of people would say it's a great culture. But if you look at our employee surveys, uh, you know, we're always in the 80s and 90 percent on on the cultural ratings. We offer things like an on-site gym. Now, people say, oh, my gosh, that's so expensive. It's not expensive. If you go to these brokers, they're brokers in the United States. I'm, I can hook up any of your listeners. They buy equipment from bankrupt fitness centers in the U.S., and they sell it at two or three cents on the dollar. So I put in a half a million dollar fitness center in my offices in Dubai for 30000 bucks. And wow. it's world class. It, it's as good as any of the open gyms that you join. It's in our facility. We have showers. We have everything. People can come in and exercise. You go down there at lunchtime or people are there after work or before work. We look at all kinds of small things. We believe that the relationship between an employee and the employer, it's like a relationship in life. It's the small things matter. Me bringing home a dozen roses to my wife means a lot to her. It's small, but it's these are important. So we look at small things. For example, all women in the company get one day a month for menstrual leave. Uh, Good on we you. give them one Good day. On George, George can't comment on that. Maybe Can you sign Georgia up, please? Yeah, She's I'm ready. Like, boom. There we go. I'll take my <laughs> day. So, you Thank know, you. We, we give a menstrual leave. Now, people ask me, do guys complain? I have one guy complain. Yeah. And, and the whole time he wrote me this letter, like, it's not fair. I should go. And I said, if you'll you always, have, you'll always day, have people complaining. It's incredible, isn't it, James? And he, I told the guy, look, if you want the menstrual leave, then start <laughs> menstruating. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. It's, it's, you know, th- then what we do is... You Georgia's at, on the floor. Lady. Georgia's on the floor in the studio right now. That's brilliant. I just love how the, uh, you're just totally uncompromising with him. And I really approve of that. Um, you know what's awful? So we know you've got a minute left with you, James. And I really need to ask you this question because it's interesting to hear that you re- regularly review salaries. Because, of course, according to a survey this week, more than half of companies in the UAE are budgeting for salaries to rise this year. Is that something that you're planning to do, even though we're only halfway through this year? Yeah, we've already even implemented. We we had forecasted uh, a, a small inflation in salaries. We've already forecasted it. And we've already given uh, some of those increases. We will always stay competitive. If if you lose 
basic salary competitiveness, then I think you're in real trouble because then you lose the most important thing in your company, which is your people. So that's something I'd, I'd rather turn the air con off. James, I'm, in, such in, a, in sweat. <laughs> I'm such a massive fan of you. I don't suppose you need a radio presenter to come and work on your, on your team. I, I, I'm really good at presenting radio. <laughs> I can't do anything <laughs> hey, else. <laughs> hey, Georgia, I was a gym instructor. So you know what? You're probably a lot better yeah, than me. I'll so probably be half decent on. on the marketing team. Uh, James Lafferty, absolute pleasure to speak to you. CEO of Fine Hygienic Holding there, giving us a little bit of advice to startups, not just how to hire, but how to keep your staff happy. Uh, great to hear from you. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. This is our opportunity to talk to our Starting Up success story. And this week, we're going to be taken to a whole new world. Under the sea, under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Up on the shore, they work all day. Out in the sun, they slave away. While we devoting full time to floating under the sea. <laughs> okay, well, that's just made me happy to start with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I've still got the fabulous uh, George Hajage, the uh, CEO of VirtuZone, in the studio with me. And we are also joined rather fabulously by Josephine Adams, who is the founder of Mermaids of Arabia. Now you understand. A fun boutique and party place for kids located at the Dubai Aquarium and Underwater Zoo. How are you, Josephine? Lovely to have you join us. Good morning. I'm great. I'm very happy to be here. Well, it's brilliant to have you, uh, particularly because I actually know of your experience. I mean, I didn't host Thank it for you. my own 40th birthday party. I did go along <laughs> with my kids. But uh, hearing a bit more about it before you came on, I'm, I'm feeling much more enthusiastic, I have to say. I think a grown-up mermaid party might work quite, quite well. It is. It is one of those one out of the box uh, ideas which uh, which I've I've taken my daughter to and who loved it so um, yeah. yeah nice well then how, how did you how did this all start I mean how did you come up with that idea and actually go through with it so I always felt like I wanted my own business um, but I never really knew what it was that I wanted to do and I didn't really have the time or the money to sit around twiddling my thumbs waiting for that aha moment so I started work and I was climbing the corporate ladder and um, you know, doing that for 10 to 12 years in the entertainment world with kids. Um, but it really took me quitting my job, leaving, traveling and taking a year out to myself, doing an, a lot of yoga, a lot of meditation, a lot of diving, a lot of free diving. And I remember free diving one time and thinking, hmm, like mermaids. And the seed was kind of planted. It um, didn't really, you know, nothing really happened for a little while. Uh, I came back to Dubai. I'd been away for 12 months. I'd really spent all my money traveling. Um, and then it was my 30th birthday. And I'd seen this lady on Instagram who was, you know, renting out. She had a mermaid tail, which she was renting out for 30 minutes. And you could go to the beach. You could wear it in the sea and sort of have this experience. And I... I went to the beach. The lady was like 40 minutes late. It was hot. It was sandy. I was, you know, kind of awkwardly trying to shuffle into this thing with her holding a towel. It was just not the Disney magical sort of fairy dust experience I had envisaged. I had a couple of photos sent to me, like some blurry pictures that she'd taken on her iPhone. And I remember feeling like there could have been more to that experience. And so from there on in, like Mermaids was on the radar and I felt like I wanted to create this place. I wanted to sort of 
create this destination where kids could come or even adults, like we were saying, and be transformed into mermaids, you know, and have this magical out of this world experience and, you know, to take them out of reality for a little bit. It is the most wonderful experience. I have to say, I went with a, uh, I mean, there was a huge party of children. Uh, the girls were absolutely in raptures over the idea of being able to dress up. There were plenty of opportunities for photographs. They all did dancing to and, and waved tassels <laughs> around to shake it off. And then everything was beautifully themed around Thank mermaids. You. So it really is a fabulous party to do. Um, I mean... You started off when I when I came to the party. It was in Mall of the Emirates. You've now yeah. moved to the Dubai Aquarium. I mean, that is a sign of a, a, of success if there if there ever is one. Totally. Um, and I think you know along the way we started out on Kite Beach. We had a little boutique on the beach, um, and it was hot. It was sandy. It was everything was getting ruined with the salt water. Um, the AC was sort of on and off, barely working, and then it was a, a big learning curve you know from there I realized okay this location isn't really giving us the right visibility and also like in those days it was a 2017 um and it was very different Kite Beach was very different to how it is these days it's true you know uh we were 10 meters back onto the beach as well because when we were doing the installation itself we uh were told that okay you have to be 10 meters back towards the ocean so it wasn't the kind of thing that you could just kind of walk past and pop in and have a look at you had to actually go onto the beach and people in, at, at the beach they're there you know sandy salty they don't want to have this kind of experience in that um in that in those conditions so we moved to mall of the emirates and again that was great um it was a good location but it, again it wasn't as visible as we'd have liked it to have been um, but I felt did like you we were, pursue your new location in Dubai Mall, or did they did they chase you? Or I pursued that, them. You pursued so, them. Yeah. yeah, COVID came along and uh, created a whole new set of ob- obstacles. Um, and during that time, I was again given some time to really sit and reflect and go, okay, like where do I want this business to go? Where do I see it growing? And I just felt like it has to be at an aquarium. And I knew that actually because of COVID, this particular space that we're in at the moment where you have the entire aquarium as your backdrop I knew that it wasn't being utilized to its full potential so I felt like okay I've got to get I've got to get that location and you have plans um, you have plans to grow the business right Joe so just for, for our listeners so so Joe's sister uh, Rose who's probably listening and who's gonna <laughs> who's gonna who's gonna be very angry with me is actually leaving us to join your sister and and, and, and grow the business leaving together. you yes yeah leaving Rich's own to grow to grow the business with her sister so um and they've had they have very ambitious plans so joe why don't you tell us a bit what you can i know you can't yeah. say everything but tell us a bit of what you can on on how you see yourself growing this business and what are your fears what are your yeah. fears about growing it um okay so we're actively looking at our second location at the moment um we also have like there's a few kind of spin-offs in the pipeline as well um and um, franchising at some stage is also on the cards too. Wow. Uh, but it's really nice to have my sister kind of by my side and, you know, have somebody that you can trust, have somebody that you can speak so freely with and straight talking. There's no sort of sugarcoating anything. And George will know this with Rose. She's very yeah. direct and straightforward. And That's I, very true. I yeah. need that, you know, and I feel like we've both got very different skills. You know, she's very much more on the business development and the financial commercial side she's great commercially great I mean, I've, yeah you know, I, I, I knew rose from a 
previous business I was in and, and, and brought her to Virtue Zone. She's done fantastically well, well for us, and I'm sure she'll do a great job with Joe. Well, that's what's so interesting. So obviously, it, our overarching topic on the program today is when do you hire? When do you yeah. bring people in? So how many people have you got working for you now? So currently, we have a team of 23, and it's grown from um, 18 months ago. Uh, we were... We were three, so 23, from three to 23 in that short space of time is... Um, Overwhelming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, amazing though. But also to be able to be in that position finally, like for years, I was the warehouse assistant, the driver, the odd jobs person, the running around like a, you know, a headless the chicken. party bag Everything packer. and anything possible, like, you know, dressing up as a mermaid. I really didn't want to do it, but like, <laughs> I'll have to do it and whatever, you know, just doing anything and everything. And that's, and that's so you know, nice that's, that's the cost of starting a business. A lot of people don't realize that, Georgia, is, you know, I mean, Joe, I'm sure for the longest time you did not make any money. I mean, like you're saying, you, you did all yeah. these roles and you were not making money. And it's you wake up some days and you're top of the world and you wake up some other days and say, what the hell am I doing? Right. I mean, I'm hearing it's good. I'm hearing a tale. I mean, why, why, why did I quit my job? Why did I start this? I mean, I, I'm crazy. Um, tell us a bit. Tell, so for the yeah. benefit of the people listening, tell us that you suffered. I mean, don't okay. tell us that you suffered. Tell us that it was tough for three, for yeah. many years. Tell us that, you know, it, it was worth the wait, that it was worth the effort. And tell us how yeah. you're. Okay. How, how, how good business is now. I sure. mean, people need to learn this. People need to hear this and, and, and realize that, listen, if you're, getting, if you're going through a rough time starting your business, it's okay. It won't last. Yeah. You have to go through these rough times to get to the, to, the, get to, the, to, the, to the good times. So, yeah, being completely honest, for three and a half years, it felt like I was just um, keeping my head above water, you know, drowning in debt, um, bounce checks coming out of my ears, dodging phone calls from the banks waking up with chronic anxiety thinking like how am I going to get through this like and it was funny because I was also the receptionist and all the phones were coming all the calls were coming through to my mobile so every time the phone would ring my heart would drop but I'd be like hello mermaids of Arabia um, but it it wasn't an easy process but I also feel like those times and those struggles make it all the more rewarding now you know um the the last 18 months and having the financial freedom to add the merchandise that i know would work really well or to create this new concept or to do this and to to do the things that i always wanted to do but i always felt like my hands were tied um and i couldn't necessarily do them so uh yeah it's it's been um an interesting process like I don't want to paint a completely bleak picture because it's also been there have been some euphoric highs and moments where I'm just like pinching myself and realizing how lucky I am to be doing this every single day and you know when those little girls come in and you see them and you see their reactions and you see the mums are crying and the kids are like their their faces it is something that I was lucky and you know I I was lucky to be surrounded by that and that is the biggest motivator to keep going because I knew I had this feeling that it was it was worth it. And I said I was thinking one thing now. Unlike most of us who see the scorching heat coming in and start panicking, you, you must be ecstatic when the heat yes, comes in and yes. everybody's going indoors. I it's love the it. Perfect <laughs> birthday party. Yes, exactly. Indoors, involving water. Indoor, indoor, indoor venues this summer are doing really well, so the business yeah. must be re- doing well, right? Yeah, I mean we're very lucky as well. Like every day. I walk into Dubai Mall and being on the ground floor with all of the, the footfall of the tourists. It's busy, the isn't it? Aquarium. It's it's the it's mermaid paradise. I couldn't think of a better location in the world to be doing what I'm doing. So yeah. 
Amazing to have you on the radio and fantastic to hear about your startup success. I'm so pleased that I sort of met you in the middle of it and now we're seeing you uh, at the the height. Uh, Josephine Adams, the founder of Mermaids of Arabia. Uh, They are a fun boutique and party place for kids located at the Dubai Aquarium and Underwear Zoo. Absolute pleasure to speak to you and find out about how you've managed to bring your business from startup to success story over the last, I guess it's like five or six years now. Five and a half years. Yeah, thank you. Amazing. Lovely to have you in the radio. This is Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Virtuzone, business setup with no regrets. It is time for our agony uncle, Smart George Hojaj, uh, CEO of Virtuzone, has stayed in the studio for the entire hour, keeping me company while we're discussing staffing. But now he's going to be put on the spot because Omar has a question. Looks like he's going into crypto. How do you know if a crypto company is the real deal? How can we know if they are licensed in the UAE? Right. There you go, George. Bit of a tricky question there. How do you know if a cryptocurrency is licensed? Oh, dear. A crypto question. Well, first of all, I just got a message from my wife, Geraldine, who said that she's listening. So I'd like to Hello, shout Geraldine. out to her. Hi, Geraldine. Shout How out. are you? Um, okay. Omar, crypto question. Um, very difficult question to answer. If I knew how how to know if a crypto company is the real deal, I I wouldn't be here doing the radio right now. I'd be on an island probably somewhere in the Caribbean with a big yacht next to me. Um, Very difficult to answer. Uh, How do you know if a crypto company is the real deal? You basically cannot know. the biggest, the bigger the market cap, usually the, the 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 more of a real deal it is because the more money it has behind it. Um, can you know if it's licensed in the UAE? Uh, probably not. The UAE's um, regulation is 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 out. Uh, what pe- most people don't know is that it's out. What is not out yet is the guidelines. So usually a regulation comes out and says, you know, the, the big, the big, the big. Uh, if you want the big headlines of how how crypto is going to be regulated, that is out. The guidelines is what you can do, what you can do, how you can do it, and so on and so forth. That's still under process, and that's being uh, done at the moment. We project that it should be ready between September at the and the end of the year. Right now, you can get some crypto licenses in some jurisdictions. Uh, DMCC has a couple. Of, of crypto licenses, um, uh, Dubai World Trade Center as well uh, has them. You cannot do a crypto exchange at the moment, so that that's that's still under under uh, the regulation is still under under um, drafting if you want. But you can do, for example, you can hold assets, you can hold crypto assets, you can do companies that hold crypto assets and so on and so forth. Uh, some stuff that has to do with the. Um, with the uh, with the uh, uh, trading, but as a company, not not as an OTC, what they call, which is over the counter, uh, blockchain technologies, all these things you can get licenses for at the moment. So Omar, I'm sorry to say, I don't have I don't have a very easy or straightforward answer for you. Um, but that's good, you, you know, know. That's it, reassuring. It's when people talk about. Uh, cryptocurrencies with certainty. That's when you need to start getting suspicious. And really. we've seen recently some of the biggest in the world. I mean, uh, you know, if, if, if you're familiar with crypto, what happened to Luna and, and, and some of these things, Celsius, which is a big exchange out there right now that's struggling as well. So bigger doesn't necessarily mean better. Um, and right now you have to navigate very carefully around crypto yes. and uh, and really know what you're doing. If, if if I had one advice to give now is to, to probably stay away, f- stay away from it until yeah. things settle down and we have a better 
clear picture of what's going on. Although I'm not a crypto specialist, I'm telling you this out of what I'm seeing out there. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. literally as a, well, I mean, obviously don't take financial advice from us, but yes. um, I've, I've definitely lost quite a lot of money. So I <laughs> just, just, that's just my we personal. We all did. Don't worry. We all have. We all have. We yep, all have. Yep. Uh, very, very quickly. We've got about 30 seconds. Carla says, I'd like to bring a food franchise from my home country. Can you talk me through the steps? Is there a way of doing it without going through so much red tape? I don't like the word red tape, right? Red tape is there always for a reason, uh, especially in Dubai. If, we, if Dubai, in Dubai, if we can make things simple, we will make things simple. Um, in this case, what she calls red tape is probably the fact that if you want to open anything that has to do with food, you have to go through the food control department at Dubai municipality, which is normal because that control, that food control department Keep is there to protect, protect yeah. you, protect me, protect you from bacteria, protect you from all these things. So you'll have to get your kitchens inspected and, and approved. Um, so, so no, there, you can't jump, you can't jump uh, through the process. You have to go through it. It's for everybody's safety. Uh, and there are, there are steps that we, I don't have the time to go through the steps now because we don't have much time left, but more than happy if you, if you get in touch with us at Virtue Zone, I'm happy to, uh, we're happy to guide you on how to do it and to assist you throughout the way. A lot of people come to us with restaurants because there is a lot of, there's a lot of approvals to get and we just grab them by the hand and go get those approvals with them good stuff amazing georgia jage virtue zone ceo absolute pleasure to speak to you thank you for sharing the studio with me thank you georgia it's always a pleasure george and georgia we love doing this i'll see you next week hopefully at 11